The Landlord and Lawyer Podcast with Ben Beadle and Tessa Shepherdson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Landlord and Lawyer Podcast. He's Ben Beadle. He's the landlord. And she's Tessa Shepherdson. She's the lawyer. And today um, we are doing a recording with the housing charity Crisis and we've got Chris Hancock coming to talk to us because we thought as it's December and it's Christmas time, it will be good to, to talk to Crisis and, uh, and see what they're doing. Definitely. Yeah, they do a lot of work, uh, particularly at, at Christmas, but I'm sure uh, Chris will be uh, reminding us uh, that crisis isn't just for Christmas. Sounds terrible, that doesn't it? But you know what I mean. <laughs> yep, yep. So um, let's see what he says. are very pleased indeed to have Chris Hancock with us for our December and I suppose Christmas edition of the Landlord and Lawyer podcast. Chris, can you um, sort of start off by um, introducing yourself and just explaining to anybody who doesn't know what Crisis is and what you do? Yes, thank you very much for, for having me on, Tessa. So yes, uh, I'm, I'm Chris Hancock. I'm the head of best practice at, at, at Crisis. Um, and yes, for those people who... who um, might not know about us or may think that we're just for Christmas we're not just for we're not just for Christmas um, we're a year-round operation um, so we, we came into existence in 1967 um, sort of around about the same time sort of triggered by the increase sort of public awareness and consciousness of homelessness that came from the Kathy Come Home film so ourselves and our you know colleagues at, at, at Shelter and lots of housing associations obviously came into existence around that time as a response to, to homelessness and poverty but Specifically, it was about poverty in the East End of London. Um, and uh, we ran Christmas services for, for, for many years. Um, but as the, you know, the, the challenge, the issue of homelessness increased, um, we developed uh, additional services, year-round services. So we have 11 centres around Great Britain. Um, so Edinburgh, Swansea, nine in, um, nine, nine in England, three in London, um, where we see um, clients, members, um, as we refer to them, and uh, people can access employment, training, housing advice, um, general progression services. Uh, and last year, we saw just under sort of 10,000 people um, accessing those services. So yes, we still have the service at Christmas, um, but it's more than that. And it's the, the year round support. And then what we try to do, and part of my job is then to take the experience and the evidence that we get from working with our members and use that to inform our lobbying policy campaigns work, you know, try and push for the changes that we need to, to see to get to the point where we're not needed anymore, you know, where we end homelessness and, and thankfully we can, we can give up and do, do something else. Yeah. It'd be nice if that happened, although I suspect it's, uh, it's some way off. Uh, more, not, not that far off in some places, which makes you think that it's, oh, you know, it gives us evidence that, uh, actually, this stuff's controllable. It's not inevitable that we've got homelessness. You know, it's a result of specific political and you know political choices that have been made. So, I think you know, and we'll, we'll you know come on to this, I'm sure. But the what's happened in the last few months and the response, certainly in Scotland and Wales, has been markedly different than than England. And I think at the moment in time, there's there's maybe four or five people sleeping on the streets of Glasgow, which is absolutely unprecedented. Still, four or five too many, mm. um, but such a, a huge reduction and, and that's as a result of people making decisions to house people and provide them with the right support um so it is it is absolutely absolutely possible um 
Chris, is it is it in your view a purely financial decision? Um, partially, I think. Um, yes, we've got to have the resources, but I I, I think the. The, the main sort of fundamental issue is that we still see homelessness as something that has to be solved separate to the rest of the housing, um, mm. rest of the housing challenge that we've got. We sort of seem to think that homelessness is this niche issue that needs specialist housing and, and, and specialist support. And yes, you know, people do need support, but what we need to do is get better access to mainstream housing and homes for people. You know, we've got a system that manages homelessness, lots of hostels and temporary accommodation. But that's not what ends ends homelessness. So, um, yes, the finances do make a massive difference. But actually, there's a shift in thinking that needs to take place as well. Um, and we've seen that, you know, uh, in other countries, other places in the world that have, have made that shift, um, and have got, you know, uh, and are now at a position where they can say they've ended homelessness. Or um, I mean, and why do you think that we haven't advanced our our political thinking on this subject? If if other countries can can do it. I think I think there's, there's there's certainly something we've been doing quite a lot of work in the last few years about reframing how we talk about homelessness, um, and this is something that the charity sector and, and ourselves as well have to look back on what we've what, what we've contributed to that. So I think some of the images that you've been used in you know years gone past around you know homelessness and for fundraising purposes create a sense that is individual blame responsibility bad luck. You know, that's befallen people and that's why they're in the situation um, that they're in whereas actually you know they, these are structural causes that have, that have caused people to become homeless and remain homeless I think while people still retain the sense that it's in there's individual responsibility something there that needs to be fixed for the individual we're always going to be making these small changes very much targeted in fixing people small pots of money available for limited periods for councils to do some work and we're not seeing the big structural changes that are needed, you know, with the welfare, uh, with wealth, the welfare system needing to change to be more supportive, but also just just access to, to housing and housing supply. So what big structural changes would would need to be done for us to eliminate homelessness? What, what do you think are the sort of top things that we need to do? Far and away, the biggest is, is affordable housing access. So, yeah. you know, we, we still don't, and, and, and certainly in England, we still don't see uh, an increase in supply of, of mainstream, affordable housing, homes for people as a way of ending homelessness. You know, we, we're still stuck in this situation where it's it's about hostels and specialist specialist accommodation. Um, and it's not. And where, um, you, you, you know, people talk about Finland all the time and for very good reason, because they've done, you know, some amazing things at getting close to ending homelessness. And that's because they've delivered and, and, and built and bought lots and lots of affordable housing and that they move people straight out of homelessness into those um, into those homes. So that that is ultimately the the, the thing that we need to um, that we need to get to. And then, and anything else around that is just kind of um, managing homelessness, uh, really, rather than ending it. Yeah, I mean, do you think this is partly due to the problem with um, social housing being sold off? Yeah, you know, as, as long as we're running a kind of net deficit of social housing every year because more is getting sold than, than, than being built, you know, we're, we're making the job impossible for us. You know, we, we did a piece of work with the National Housing Federation and Harriet Watt University that identified we need 90,000, you know, new social rented homes in England uh, every year if we're going to, um, if we're going to end homelessness and make a dent in that. Um, and we're so far short of that um, uh, at, at, at the 
the moment. You know, we, we, we're nowhere near that. And obviously every year we don't meet that target. We're then having to do more, you know, in, in, um, in, in future years. I mean, you're right, Chris. I, I forget exactly the figure that was announced a few a few weeks ago um, uh, in terms of new homes built. But, you know, it, it's it's not quite on one hand, but it's, it's a very, very small number of 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 new uh, of new homes. Again, that is something that is whilst there's a cost to it, <clears throat> it will also resolve a lot of the other issues that exist in in the housing sector, not least the private rented sector as well. Why, why do you think that we sort of see year on year apathy when it comes to numbers not really touching the sides for new homes? I think there's 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 you know perception as I said of of you know we're still we're still stuck to some degree I think in sort of deserving and undeserving um, you know conversations and expectation that I don't know some people need to take responsibility for bad decisions they've made and in some way you know giving access to social housing is a reward for for, for bad bad behaviour. Um, and again, you know that comes back to some of the work we've been doing on on reframing homelessness and showing what actually causes. Um, homelessness. Um, so I, I think that's a general issue. I think when you get down to a local level, there's obviously you know objections at a local level about new development um, and 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 then you know a nimbyism that exists there. Which again, I could you know I can understand if if people's perceptions of who might be moving into affordable housing is informed by some of the you know very stereotypes. Uh, stereotyped you know programs on on television and what have you then then i can i can understand that um and it's a job that we've got to do in the charity sector and, and we're trying to do this more and more through you know telling stories about our members experience and you know how they became homeless and how they've got out of homelessness so so people can see a true picture of of, of what, what what causes that and why you know we're so desperate that we need you know we need this 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 affordable housing for people to be able to move on with their lives do you think possibly that, um, terrible though it is, the cover disaster has sort of helped in a way because it's obvious that the many people who are losing their jobs, it's not their fault. Um, so yeah. that, that may change because, you know, if you lose your, lose your job as a waiter because, you know, your restaurants had to close down because it can't operate. I mean, it's, it's not their fault. Um, no, absolutely, and it's also introducing uh, a lot of new people to the to the world of universal credit, um, mm. and people are getting a glimpse into how difficult it is to navigate that that world, you know, and, and what people are up against, and the amounts of money that people are left with, you know, at the end of the week after they've been, you know, expected to 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 you know pay their rent and 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 fund um, pay for everything else that they need to that they need to afford. So, yes, I've certainly seen that shift, and I think the other you know really really big thing that 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 the last few months has has done and the everyone in approach is show people that it is a political choice whether or not we have homelessness you know over mm. you know it wasn't per, you know everyone everyone in was not perfect and there were people that were still left out and there are people who came in and, and have had to had to go out again but thousands and thousands of people stopped being homeless in a very very short period of time because a decision was made that we need to bring people in um and i think that that's that's made a big impression on the um, the public and I think you know we read a piece there was a piece in the Times sort of a month or so ago um, sort of comment from a government unnamed government minister saying that it's a real worry within government that we, we've you know we've shown our shown our hand you know we've demonstrated that this stuff can can be done so people aren't going to tolerate you know large numbers of, of um, people being homeless anymore because we know we can end that. 
Yeah, I mean, let's let's sort of talk about the everyone in. I mean, was it a success? I mean, a lot of people did get housed during that period. I mean, I remember reading articles about, you know, hotels who didn't have any guests were, were being used to house homeless people, which I have to say sounded like a brilliant idea, but of course that can't go on forever. Yeah, and, and that that's the challenge with it, you know, it, absolutely, as a as a as an overall taking a step back, you know, thousands of thousand people were were brought in um, who who were out who were out and would still be out now if that if that if that scheme hadn't have happened. Um, I think where there's and, and and as I said earlier, there's a mixed picture in in you know different parts of England, but certainly when you look at Scotland and Wales and and, and the sort of co commitment to the ongoing support that's needed for people has been different in, in different nations and in different parts of the different parts of the country. So I think where we would see it as a missed opportunity was that the once people were in, you know, how quickly we're able to turn those hotels, you know, get people moved into homes. That's been very different in different in different in different places. And we're still trapped in a cycle, certainly in England, of short term funding which just encourages you know a, a kind of another level of temporary accommodation another step if you like on the staircase out of homelessness rather than getting into your own home and being able to stay there long term so you might go from a hotel into a hostel into some form of temporary accommodation you know and every point you're having to meet certain conditions and requirements to get to that next step you know and, that, and that's you know it's very difficult some people that's fine they fly through that straight out at the other side but you know if you've if you're carrying a, a huge you know um a lot of challenges with you you know if you've if you've been through some very very difficult and, and dark times you know suddenly you know not drinking or uh, you know addressing some other things in your life in order to move on to accommodation it's just not gonna be possible especially when you're you know living in temporary temporary accommodation so that's where we feel there's you know a missed, a missed opportunity to make that sort of final leap if you like into into mainstream mainstream housing which we have seen to be fair in in some parts of some parts of gb definitely and, and chris you you talk about the making the step into mainstream housing that does that for the most part include the private rented sector I think absolutely, uh, it absolutely does. I think if we if we're going to um, give people a, a you know a proper choice over where they live, and we and we know you know we know from you know housing first is a is an approach which um, has had huge success in Finland, huge success in in other other parts of the world. Scotland is leading the way on this approach, and that's what we say to people who have the most um, complex needs, you know, have suffered the most trauma and have been failed by the system time and time again give them some choice and control over where they where they live make sure you're providing support to that person um, make sure that you're you know enabling them to succeed in their um, in their property but it's about giving someone choice and control I'm not saying you need to go and live in this big building over here with 70 other people where the only thing you share with them is the fact you've all been homeless at some point or another but you all have to live in that same building and we expect you to recover from the trauma and and, and things that you've faced before in that setting so we have to give people choice control. And, and, the, and the prs is part of that you know the prs offers in in many cases a you know, a better standard of, of property, a better choice of location of properties, a furnished property, some really, you know, practical things that people value um, that you can only get um, with the PRS. So yeah, we, we absolutely see it as, as playing a key role, yeah. I mean, one of the things that um, certainly at the height of the, I say the height of the pandemic, the first height of the of the uh, pandemic, 
uh, one of the things that I, I was really struck by was we actually received quite a lot of calls from members saying, I've got an empty property. You know, how can somebody use this? Can, you know, whether it's homeless people or whether it's NHS workers or whatever. Um, uh, and that's where we engage with, um, I forget the, uh, the, a branch of MHCLG that as everybody in, uh, you know, people got put into hotels and so forth, starting to think about the exit strategy uh, from that. Um, obviously things change with um, uh, the, the personnel within, within, within that team and nothing happened, uh, but we submitted quite a detailed proposal about how the PRS might be able to help um, uh, with a view to uh, kind of repackaging uh, those people, oh, that sounds awful, but repackaging the offer that those people so that they would become more palatable to uh, private sector landlords uh, and, and, and obviously, you know, re rehouse people at the same time. But it's a great pity that the PRS wasn't explored in that way. Yeah, I, 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 com I completely agree. Completely agree. We, you know, very similarly, we were we were having lots of um, inquiries from um, from landlords uh, wanting to do wanting to do similar, and obviously where we have services, we could um, we could do that, and we could we could link up um, with that. And where we um, don't have services, we can put them in contact with local organisations that can um, that that can do that. Um, but yes, I, I, I would I would agree. I think there was a missed opportunity to use the increased sort of public awareness and spotlight that was on homelessness, and say, right, this is going to be a centralised approach. You know, land, even very basically, you know, landlords could ring this number, they could go on this website, this is what could be offered um, to you, this is how you can do your bit, um, and your property can be used to, to, to house someone, and use that as a great opportunity to, to bust some myths about mm. homelessness, you know, absolutely, you know, if somebody needs, you know, uh, more support, you know, and a landlord isn't, you know, there's no, landlord should be expected to provide that. That's not what they're being fun, you know, that's not what the rent is paying, paying for. Then it's a different housing option for that person. But if it's someone who, yeah, absolutely, the PRS would be a really good move, you know, it'd be a great, they'd be a great tenant. Um, then that would give us an opportunity to demonstrate to a lot more landlords that, that this works and that PRS does work as a really good route, um, really, really good route out of homelessness. So I think, yeah, we 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 rue that. We haven't sort of given up on that, um, you know, opportunity in, entirely. But I think the, the problem that we've got is those local services are brilliant, and there is a lot of very good council services for landlords. But they are, you know, they are quite fractured. They're quite difficult to navigate for for landlords in a way which you ring a you know high street letting agent. You know, that's that's straightforward. You know, you ring the one number, very quick response, what have you. We don't have that yet. Um, as a consistent offer across the country for schemes that help people out of homelessness into the PRS. And, th and this could have been an opportunity to, to, to do that. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we were happy to do as part of our discussion was to support landlords through our advice line, um, you know, where they actually uh, took... Uh, uh, these uh, made the transition for these tenants into the PRS, because I think th the supported element uh, is 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 something that's often overlooked, isn't it? You know, it it's okay. Well, here's here's a home. Away you go. Uh, it's not quite as straightforward as that. And and both you know, for a, for a tenancy to succeed in this in these circumstances, both the landlord and the tenant need support. Don't yes. you have a service? I'm I'm sure I've spoken to one of your colleagues about um, a sort of agency service that you offer for landlords, where you will find 
um, you know, a, a tenant, um, a suitable tenant will work with the tenant. And, and I, I was told we'll even, you know, move them on if it's not working, which I think would be something that would be important for landlords, because I suspect a lot of landlords are worried about being stuck with an unsuitable tenant and then, you know, having to wait about two years to get them out if it doesn't work because of the problems in the courts. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we, we absolutely do. Um, we've got a team in, in London um, uh, specifically who, who yeah, work with landlords directly, a procurement team. Um, and people can find that with a, a quick Google and, and look on the crisis the crisis website for that. But if any of our centres, you know, we'd be we'd be very keen to talk to talk to landlords about what we might be able to do, um, you know, to support existing tenants as well. You know, if if if, if landlords, um, you know, are having, you know, if there are difficulties, things are broken down between between tenant and landlord, and the landlord, you know, wants to avoid um, homelessness, then yeah, of course we we'd want to try and mediate in that situation, try and find a constructive constructive solution so um but yeah we 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 work with 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 lots and lots of lots of landlords we've got a um a database on our on the crisis website as well of local projects um that do similar work to us uh, all across all across the uk um so you know if, if if landlords are interested in you know working with um you know homeless organizations support people out of homelessness then they can have a look on that um database and see what what might be local local to them and all of those schemes, you know, and the work that we do is, is underpinned by what's good for the tenant is good for the landlord and, and vice versa. You know, we, we want those tenancies to succeed. And the best way of doing that is to have a constructive relationship with dialogue. So, so yeah, you know, whilst, you know, we're not in the, we, we would obviously, you know, be in the business of trying to prevent homelessness in every single case. If, if, a, if the situation is clearly broken down, there is no point putting a tenant through, you know, the courts and, and you know, increased potential charges that come from that you know you alienate that landlord that landlord's never going to work with a scheme like ours again if 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 you're not trying to do something constructive in that situation so so yes if there's a if there's a way of, of moving someone to somewhere safe and secure and, and, and decent and affordable as an alternative then of course we, we would we would want to do that rather than you know pointlessly sticking it out could you send um a list of um sort of links and 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 crisis services because um we have um, a website for this podcast and uh, an article for each individual um episode and i can put those links on that page so anybody who is interested in that they could go to landlordlawyer.com and uh, look at episode six and uh, then they'll be able to uh, be able to find those because yeah. i think it would be useful for landlords um, any landlords listening who who are interested in that you know please please do that yeah, yeah, of course. Um, everyone in how's how's that going to move for the future? I mean, do you do you think it's 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 on target to to do well, or 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 do you think that there are there are things lacking which we should be doing? I mean, what what's the sort of prognosis for the future? And and Ben, what what do you um, what do you think about um, about the the approach and um, well, uh, I mean, as, as I understand it at the moment, Chris, that there's a lot of confusion around the everybody in uh, campaign, specifically around uh, bringing people in for Christmas. Um, uh, and a lot of uh, local authorities um, unclear uh, about about the role here. Is, is that is that is that what you're finding? Yeah, yeah, very, very much so. I think you you have um, 
some of the recent announcements around funding from from CLG, and this is you know in, in England only. I'm talking about talks about the ongoing everyone in um, scheme, but you know we know that local authorities have been advised you know a few months ago to you know stop operating everyone in, and basically what everyone in did was suspend the usual legal tests um, which exist that sort of gatekeep um, certain people from um, being offered emergency accommodation by the local authority. So. You know, circumstances are, are, are different in Scotland, but but in England and Wales, you have this distinction between priority and non-priority need. So somebody who you know doesn't have any dependents, doesn't have very very severe physical or, or mental health um, issues, and it is a very very high bar that someone needs to meet, will not be entitled to to to, to help from the local authority. And and that was suspended. You know, it was brilliantly suspended. Shows what could be done, you know, overnight through through everyone in. Um, but as local authorities have become aware that, you know, the funding to support that isn't forthcoming, um, the full cost of that isn't going to be met by central government, um, and also that they're being, you know, told to rein it in um, by the department, by the ministry, they're going to stop doing that. You know, they're, they're, they're going to go back to uh, applying the same test. And, and where we've seen that really acutely is it is on with people without entitlement to public funds um, and people with, you know, and people will have a lack of recourse for lots and lots of reasons, you know, because they were employed and they lost their employment through no fault of their own. So they don't have entitlement. Um, you know, there'll be people who are fleeing violence from, you know, violent um, relationships where the, the partner had the status and it was conveyed on them as a partner and on their own, they don't have that entitlement. So really, really complex situations. Um, and with everyone in, all that was suspended. So people were provided with accommodation, brought off the street. Um, but that hasn't continued. And as Ben says, you know, there's a real, real lack of confusion and lack of clear, you know, government advice and steer that this does need to continue. And especially at the moment with, you know, uh, with the onset of winter and, the, you know, increases in, in COVID cases um, and, 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 and so on. So yes, we, 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 we're looking for some clarity and we haven't got it at the moment, unfortunately. Should we perhaps give a shout out to those areas that are doing really well? Um, which are the areas that are really getting on top of it? And um... Well, I think there's whole, there's whole nations, you know, I've talked about, I've talked about Scotland um, as well. And, and, you know, the number of people who are on the streets of, of, of Glasgow greatly reduced. You know, I haven't got there completely yet, but you know, it's 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 this ongoing commitment to link homelessness and housing. So affordable housing supply has got very much linked to ending ending homelessness. Um, so it's all about the permanence of the solutions. You know, great strides have been been achieved in in, in Wales. Um, you know, really interestingly, commitments in um, places with regional regional mayors. So the Liverpool City region. You saw housing associations in Liverpool City region say, right, we're going to turn over all of our allocations of properties to people brought in from the streets to move them out of hotels. But you know, all the housing associations across the six local authorities in Liverpool in Merseyside um, have made that made that commitment, which is astounding. You know, Greater Manchester, similar levels of commitment. The West Midlands. You know, under Andy Street as, as the mayor, some, you know, huge numbers of people brought in and kept in for accommodation. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's lots and lots of really, really great examples. And we know lots of local authorities who are, you know, really, really struggling to maintain that commitment to keep people in and not evict people back into homelessness. But it's, it's, it's difficult because, you know, they haven't got the funding um, coming to them to do that. Mm. I mean, if people want to help... Um, 
as well as offering someone a home, they can always make a donation. Um, tell us a bit about that and um, how the donations are used and um, how that works. Yes, so absolutely. So the donations to crisis, and it and it's you know important that I um, you know comment and 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 express our appreciation for the donation that you were able to um, provide for us, which is yeah hugely hugely appreciated. Um, so yeah, the donations. So this year, um, our Christmas services look very different. Um, in in previous years, uh, we would have we'd be able to to. Um, accommodate more people so we open for seven, for seven nights um, over Christmas um, you know provide a range of services but a lot of those services you know have people in quite close close proximity and yeah. this year we can't we can't do that so this year looks very different we, we're, we're running um, a number of hotels that we've taken over we've extended the period of time so it's, it's over 14 nights now rather than the the, the seven nights that we're able to do something um, so yeah reduced numbers just over sort of 500 people that we're able to support but that's you know where donations will go and we're you know our, our christmas team are, uh, are are phenomenal and the volunteers that we get you know year after year the volunteers that are so committed to this have, have you know been able to adapt brilliantly so you know the entertainment the support services all that stuff that we we, we run year after year is going online you know there'll be lots and lots of um things to keep people uh, entertained and, uh, uh, and 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 amused over the period of time, but also that support and follow up, which is really key. So a lot of what we've invested in this year is is follow up, sort of casework teams and things. So we're you know if people have come in over Christmas, quite often people that we see coming in aren't typically those that engage with services all all year round, and are prompted to come in because of the nature of what we do at Christmas. Um, but also because of, you know the change in weather and, and and what have you, so it is an opportunity to say to someone, look, this is this has worked out well, hasn't it? You know, this is this is better than being outside. You know, can we talk about making this a longer arrangement? You know, let's talk about now staying in rather than going back to the the arrangement that you were in before. Um, so a lot of the donation investment will be in that. Um, and then, as I said um, at the start, we're not not just for Christmas. So you know, people's kind donations will also then. Um, fund the services that we run all year round um for, do you do you get do you get grants or is it just based on donations we we is the, the huge majority of what we do is is based on based on donations yeah absolutely we, we have some specific um services with with local authorities which we're funded to do but it is you know it, it is very important for us to retain our independence and mm brilliantly and it's you know one of the one of the many reasons why we're so thank, thankful and grateful for people's donations is it enables us to be to be independent from government funding and it means you know that we we can say things and and, and do things which um you might be mindful of not doing if you were you know uh, tied into a, a government contract and so on so yeah that's that's quite important and we'll put a link on the on the website for where people can go to make a Christmas oh, donation very, very as well. So um, looking to the future, um, what will you be looking to do next year? What are your plans for next year? Your, your, um, your thoughts and what you're looking to do? Because we haven't come out of COVID yet. We've still got, we've still got a lot of problems. It's going to be a while before the population's um, vaccinated. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So our um, plans for next year will be, as I said, the, the, the follow-up to Christmas. You know, how can we support people to to stay in who who come in? Um, you know, how can we how can we increase access to 
you know mainstream mainstream housing supply for people and and homes and that work continues both in working alongside the housing association sectors so we've got a partnership with with a group of housing associations called the homes for kathy um, movement and it's a group of over 100 housing associations now who um, really want to reassert their their original kind of social purpose and housing associations have come in for you know quite a lot of flack in recent years some of it justified about becoming increasingly commercial and moving away from their original you know ethos and and, and what have you and this is a group of associations say no actually we're, we're, we're in this to end homelessness and make that commitment so you know we want to add to those associations that are part of part of that movement um, we want to yeah increase the number of landlords that we work with in the in the PRS. We did a piece of research that we weren't able to launch last year about um, what a what a London social lettings agency could look like. So, but this point I was making about trying to trying to make things a bit more efficient and, and straightforward for landlords who do want to um, put properties in, in into the mix for this kind of thing. And so we want to test you know what would it what would a central point of contact for landlords? What would a consistent offer to to landlords? look like you know we, we we don't want to be you know landlord's got a property they want to use we don't want them to be waiting for for days while you know it goes around different departments of a local authority or different departments of a charity before you know someone comes out does an inspection and, and so on we want to be as efficient as the the high street agents um uh, you know we, we know we need to compete um with them for that so that's something we want to take forward that piece of research um in the new year learn lessons from it and see what you know what could be applied elsewhere um, as well and chris i was gonna i was gonna add uh for those listeners that haven't seen homes for kathy uh, i i i had the uh, fortune to be involved at the the very start of that of that group when it when it was launched when i was working at tds um and it's an uh, it's an incredibly powerful film homes for kathy if if people haven't seen it put it on your list over uh, over christmas to to have a watch uh, and and for me as a a, a landlord and a, a participant in this sector um it it was it served as a, a, an incredibly powerful reminder of the value of secure uh, uh and safe uh, homes, which obviously is what uh, the vast majority of landlords want. But yeah, if you get a chance to have a uh, have have a watch of it, if you haven't already seen it, it, it you know it's a very sobering uh, 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 film. And ironically, I say ironically, sadly, the theme. I forget when it when it was when it was published now, but was it sort of forty seven sixty sixty right? Okay, yeah. Um, uh, you know, it was the issues then are very much uh, alive and well uh, today uh, around security condition and uh, the, the the wider society impacts uh, that can take place that can force somebody into homelessness and uh, and, and worse so yeah uh, a bit of a shout out for, for for landlords listening to have a little have a little look at that yeah, it completely, completely, completely echo that. And I think, um, you know, it took from 1967, that, that film, to 10 years later, in 1977, when we had the first kind of Homeless Persons Act um, and support for people. You know, you can see a direct link from the increased public awareness around homelessness that that film generated eventually to a change in the law, which at the time, you know, we still relatively have, there's lots of holes in it, but, you know, the safety net technically... Uh, around homelessness in, in the UK and the law is is very good, you know, and, and there is there is support. It just leaves significant proportions of people outside of um, yes. outside of that. So. 
Okay, well, look, thank you so much for coming and talking to us, Chris. It's been most interesting. And um, I, I wish you all the best um, and crisis all the best for the future. And, um, you know, we, we all support what you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you very much for, for having me on. You know, we, we're very, very interested and committed to having a constructive dialogue and relationship with, with landlords. I think, you know, it's something that that um, in the same way that we get frustrated that tenants get, um, you know, painted with the same brush and, and, and generalised, you know, people moving out of homelessness are going to be too risky. And frigid. I think the flip side is that, you know, landlords can be dismissed in, a, in the same way and, and generalised about. And we, and we see, we, we see, we do see the worst of, of that and we do have to advocate and step in for members. Um, but we also work with, you know, a huge number of, of landlords who are massively committed to providing a route out of homelessness for people and provide you know brilliant homes um and and you know go above and beyond for people we see that we see that all the time so yeah we really really keen that we continue the the, the conversation and the dialogue and, and any landlords listening that want to know more yeah please do have a look at those um do have a look at those links and, and give us a shout chris we'll thanks ever so much merry christmas yeah, yeah merry, merry christmas, christmas. <laughs> thank you Ben, that was uh, that was a really interesting talk, wasn't it? I enjoyed that. Really, really interesting. He's a good he's a good chap, uh, Chris. I've worked with him for, for for many years when I was at, at TDS, and I think it just you know, reinforces for me certainly the the good work uh, that Crisis are doing. But uh, what an uphill battle uh, yeah. homelessness is for everybody, frankly. Yeah, and it's it's such a shame that the the everybody in thing that that happened in sort of March and April hasn't really continued as it should have done which is um which is really a lost opportunity i think it is and i think you know he was at pains to stress how the the private rented sector might have been able to help in that situation we certainly felt that uh uh you know bridging the gap from that temporary accommodation into more sustainable uh, uh, accommodation was the right thing to do um, and the private rented sector with some checks and balances on both sides uh, certainly had a part to play but um, alas it was not to be. Well maybe next year I mean there's always there's always the future although you know hopefully they'll be able to get as many people in over Christmas because uh, it's not very nice weather at the moment. No and it's you know it's also only a week before Christmas and yeah. there's still a lot of confusion about the actual scheme and uh, and its operation which is a fairly lamentable position to be in really. Yeah so um, wish them all the best I mean we'll we'll carry on um, um, donating a proportion of our events to crisis which is which is something that we've done quite a lot this year. Indeed. And, um, I, I would encourage other people to do the same because um, you know, it's a good thing to do. They're a good organisation. I think. I think um, many landlords do support crisis. Yeah, that, I mean that's right. I think um, they they speak in a a, a, collaborat a collaborative tone. Uh, you know, Chris was at pains to to, to stress their work uh, with with landlords and generally seeing landlords as 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 part of the solution to some of the problems that exist out there. Uh, something that you know uh, chimes very much with. Uh, the NRLA's uh, views on on life so yeah absolutely okay well I hope everybody's enjoyed this episode um, so huge thanks to uh, to Chris for coming along and talking to us and um, and, and crisis generally and um, we will be back next year 
with another episode which we haven't decided yet what it's going to be so uh, we ought to have a chat about that at some stage well, so we can, uh, we can give it some thought over some uh, socially distanced mulled wine or something <laughs> yes so uh, we wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Absolutely. And the same from me. Uh, and keep safe, keep healthy. And let's see what 2021 has got in store for us all. OK, then. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. 